You are listening to community-supported radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino Placerville, and it's time for the Wednesday edition of KVMR's Evening News. For their support, we'd like to thank The Pizza Joint, offering New York-style pizzas by the slice or pie, cheese or meatball, manicotti, and more. Open daily, takeout, or curbside pickup for social distancing. Commercial Street, Nevada City, the pizza joint, nc.com. And Circle's Wild and Scenic Film Festival, online January 14th through the 24th, a virtual experience this year with over 100 environmental and adventure films. Also filmmakers, activists, workshops, and more. Wild and Scenic Film Festival.org. After the NPR headlines and regional weather, we'll have a 2020 retrospective look, or I guess 2020 hindsight, with Claudio Mendonca. And we'll be looking at the stories that KVMR had on the news and around the country. And also closing out today's newscast, we'll have Jim Hightower with a commentary. At 6.30, we'll be broadcasting this week's edition of The Sages Among Us, and at 7 o'clock, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. But first, NPR headlines and regional weather. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Louise Schiavone. The count has begun in the U.S. of freshly identified cases of the COVID-19 variant, believed to be significantly more contagious than the original. Now California Governor Gavin Newsom says a case has been identified in his state. This new variant, this new strain uh, that we've identified, obviously, from the United Kingdom, others, some other parts of the globe identified in Colorado yesterday has been identified here in the state of California, in Southern California. In a virtual call with Governor Newsom, infectious disease official Dr. Anthony Fauci predicted there will be more of those cases and not just in California. I'm not surprised that you have a a case and likely more cases in California. And we likely will be seeing reports from other states. Colorado were the first in Colorado, meanwhile, health officials say a state National Guard member is the first reported U.S. case of the COVID-19 variant first detected in the U.K., and state officials are investigating a possible second case there. Coronavirus cases, hospitalizations, and deaths are climbing in Oklahoma, and vaccine distribution is now in the works. Jessica Gallagher reports. The so-called pods, or points of dispensing sites for the COVID-19 vaccine, include community centers, fairgrounds, and schools. According to the Oklahoma State Department of Health, first responders, people over 65, and healthcare workers not in a hospital setting will be part of phase two of the state's program. State Health Commissioner Dr. Lance Fry says the pods will help provide more access as vaccine distribution is being opened up to larger populations. Currently, residents and staff at long-term care facilities, paramedics, and frontline health care workers, among others, are receiving the vaccine. For NPR News, I'm Jessica Gallagher in Oklahoma City. Stocks finished higher today amid light trading ahead of the New Year's holiday. NPR's Scott Horsley reports the Dow Jones Industrial Average rose more than 73 points to close at a new record high. All of the major stock indexes enjoyed modest gains. The Dow rose about a quarter percent. Both the S&P 500 index and the Nasdaq were up a fraction. 
Investors have been encouraged this week by the signing of a new $900 billion COVID relief package that includes direct payments of $600 to most Americans. The Treasury Department says the first of those payments are now on their way by direct deposit and by mail. An effort to boost the payments to $2,000 remains bottled up in the Senate. GOP Senate Leader Mitch McConnell opposes the higher payments, and he's paired the proposal with other provisions designed to prevent passage. Scott Horsley, NPR News, Washington. Heads up to spirits enthusiasts. Amidst a U.S.-Europe trade dispute, the office of the U.S. Trade Representative said it was adding tariffs on cognacs and other brandies from France and Germany, as well as certain non-sparkling wines and aircraft manufacturing parts. Rebellion against mask wearing in the live free or die state has the governor of New Hampshire canceling a public inauguration ceremony. As New Hampshire Public Radio's Todd Bookman tells us, Governor Chris Sununu's safety concerns are related to armed protesters. Protesters have been gathering near Governor Sununu's private residence for weeks. The protests began in opposition to Sununu's issuance of a statewide mask mandate. In response, the Republican governor's hometown of Newfields passed an ordinance this month banning picketing outside of private homes. This week, protesters openly defied that ordinance, resulting in nine people being cited and one man being arrested for trespassing. The governor says the protests have become, quote, more aggressive. Instead of a public inauguration slated to be held outdoors due to COVID-19, there will now be a private ceremony live-streamed to the public. For NPR News, I'm Todd Bookman in New Hampshire. Complications of the coronavirus have taken the life of actress Dawn Wells. She played the role of Marianne on the iconic TV sitcom Gilligan's Island. She was 82. Wells had numerous TV parts in shows like Bonanza and 77 Sunset Strip, but she was famous for Gilligan's Island, and some of her wardrobe items are on display at the Hollywood Museum. I'm Louise Schiavone, NPR News, Washington. And taking a look at the local weather, it looks like tonight we'll have a low of 37, high of 55 tomorrow. Rain late tonight, partly cloudy tomorrow and Friday, but steady rain on Saturday through next week. In Sacramento, low of 43, high of 59 tomorrow, rain late tonight and tomorrow morning, partly cloudy Thursday through Saturday with rain likely Sunday and Monday. And in Truckee, low of 20 tonight, high of 37 tomorrow, snow later tonight, mostly sunny through Sunday with snow likely next week. First day of 2020, and uh, first day of a new decade. Happy New Year. Yes, indeed. Happy New Year. 2020 started like most years, but quickly became like no other year in recent memory. A pandemic, massive wildfires, social unrest, a contentious election. I think it's safe to say that none of us will ever forget what it was like 
to have lived through it. We turn to Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. He is on the front lines here in the U.S. response to the coronavirus outbreak. Dr. Fauci, good morning. It's good to have your time, sir. Good morning. First of all, I mean, as we know, the World Health Organization just to, to declared this a global health emergency. How serious is this? What's keeping you up at night? The problem is that this is an evolving situation. Literally every day we learn a little bit more about it. I mean, we have the five individuals in the United States who are travel-related. Now we see something which was clearly hinted at in what's going on in China, that you can actually have transmission from one to another. Initially reported to the WHO on December 31, 2019, by January 30, 2020, the organization declared the COVID-19 outbreak a global health emergency. The United States is officially under a national emergency. The COVID-19 pandemic has now infected some 1,700 Americans and claimed the lives of nearly 50 people. Almost overnight, hundreds of thousands of Americans lost their jobs. Just coming out right now, and they are far worse than expected. 701,000 jobs lost during the month. That is a very large number. The unemployment rate rises to 4.4%. Worse yet, people lost their lives. Sam Stone came home to his wife and family. Including beloved singer-songwriter John Prine. Then on May 25th, the long-simmering tension regarding race and policing in America came into sharp focus with the murder of George Perry Floyd Jr. Floyd died after Derek Chauvin, a white police officer, pressed his knee to Floyd's neck for over eight minutes during his arrest for allegedly using a counterfeit $20 bill at a convenience store in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Please let me stay here. The officer who pressed his knee to Floyd's neck has been identified as Derek Chauvin. He doesn't let up until the 46-year-old's listless body is put on a stretcher. Former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin has been charged by the Hennepin County Attorney's Office with murder and with manslaughter. The day after Floyd's death, protests began in Minneapolis. By May 30th, many cities, including Los Angeles, had imposed curfews due to civil unrest. The situation here in Santa Monica, California, is very fluid. You can see police here now firing tear gas into the crowd. They are trying to push these folks back. By May 31st, the United States National Guard had been deployed to multiple cities around the country, and protesters around the world took to the streets in solidarity. Locally, citizens who peacefully assembled to protest police brutality and show support for Black Lives Matter were met with harassment and violence. Support America! You don't like it? Get, you don't out. Like it. Get the f out! Why you want to Hey, why are you walking away? Well, you want to fight? What is that? Two men from Grass Valley were later charged with misdemeanor battery for their roles during the protest. Weeks later, self-described freedom riders arrived from out of town, fueled by online rumors and ready to defend Nevada City against imaginary vandals. Are you part of the group that call themselves the Freedom Riders? So I am. I am. And also, um, uh, 
American Patriots on Facebook, that group, and um, they're from here. I'm from Marysville. Four more years! I'm from Marysville, and we drove all the way up here and to because I've been wanting to get a little piece of this, you know? Okay, so we probably have about 40 acres on this fire so far. It started down in the canyon, made some pretty significant runs towards the top. It basically goes from the Yuba River. It crosses where the Independence Trail kind of transverses the hill over there, and it's burning up towards Jones Ridge. On August 17th, a lightning strike ignited vegetation near Jones Bar Road and quickly grew into a major fire. Juan Brown of the Grass Valley Air Attack Base. It's Tuesday the 18th, about 11 a.m. here at uh, Nevada County Airport, Grass Valley Air Attack Base. Time for an update on the Jones fire here locally. Last reported, about 550 acres out of the Yuba River Canyon made a strong south push yesterday. Started yesterday morning. Appears to be a lightning strike on a hilltop towards the end of Jones Bar Road. Today, yesterday we had upwards of seven fixed-wing air tankers fighting this fire. Yesterday was a record-breaking 95,000 gallons of retardant pumped out of the Grass Valley Air Attack Base for those seven air tankers. That's more than all of the retardant dropped in all of 2019. Highway 49 was closed for several days and thousands of people were evacuated. In total, 705 acres burned and 21 structures were destroyed, including parts of the Independence Trail, the United States' first wheelchair-accessible wilderness trail. We're going to keep fighting as long as we can here. In October, a number of Nevada City's citizens organized to oppose PG&E's plan to cut down trees throughout the city. The group believed that PG&E's plan was excessive and, in many cases, unnecessary. Out of 273 trees, we wanted to save 16, and they absolutely refused to make any kind of compromise. Three demonstrators were arrested for trespassing at Pioneer Cemetery. They immediately grabbed me and said that I was uh, trespassing on private property. And a man who identified himself as Tarzan camped in one of the cemetery's many trees until an agreement was reached. KVMR's Paul Emery was able to conduct an interview with the man, whose real name is Brandon Jonitz, via cell phone. This morning, I spoke with Brandon Jonitz. He is the last person left up in the tree. I was able to talk to him via cell phone. What are things like up there right now? Oh, well, I got woken up at 4 a.m. with floodlights and crews, about 20 people moving in gates. Uh, my friends getting woken up in the park who have been squatting peacefully for nearly a month, 20, 20 38 days. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of a rude awakening, but now things are really nice. I'm up here in my own little world. I have everything I need, and I am, I, you know, I'm just going to stay here until I run out of water, and I'm pretty much in heaven. This is where I want to be. Uh, so what was it like? Have you been communicating with the police and how have they been? Uh, they did arrest three people. Uh, have they been uh, talking to you? And how's, how does that working out? Oh, well, you know, as soon as I get off of the ground, I'm going to be arrested. But they're not coming up here for me. 
But you uh, you have limited food and limited water, though. And there's, is there there's no way for you to get uh, more water and more food? Yeah, this is this is it. So it's a waiting game. You know, I reckon the cops are going to get bored before I do, but they are definitely not going to run out of food before I do. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Either way, we're getting a lot of publicity for the cause. On November 5th, a compromise was reached. Well, big news today. Uh, Brandon, uh, sometimes known as Tarzan, uh, you're going to be coming down from the tree uh, right away. Uh, Tell us about what happened. Matthew Osipowski is some sort of wizard. And he pulled off a miracle, and um, yeah, no one actually thought that it would end up this well with pg actually making a compromise with us to actually just top the tree at 90 feet. And um, I, all the charges on me are being dropped, and I will be able to walk free as soon as I hit the ground. So the compromise is that they are, are, are topping the tree, um, I guess that's a good word to use, to where even if the tree falls, it, it, it'll fall short of the power line, therefore it won't be a hazard. Is that, is that correct? Correct. We've been going back and forth about that all day. Well, Matthew has. So the power lines are 130 feet away. They're topping the tree down to 90 feet, which that is the best that we could do with the city insurance company um and i i just have to say that i never ever considered this outcome to be an option i went up into this tree just like bracing myself to get arrested and then still have the tree be cut down because even if we you know win the fight with pg&e then we still have to you know the city's insurance company still has to say well is this the hazard well if it is then we're not gonna you have to cut it down yourself nevada city so yeah, we we made we all made a huge compromise. Got your flag, the cow won't get you into heaven anymore. What I see this is as that silent majority finally coming out and and showing our voice. Uh, we we want the country to to go in a direction, and and we're no longer afraid to to say that we're not those labels that that some sides try to label us as that has kind of kept our views silent for a long time, but we're we're. God-loving Americans, we care about the Constitution, we support Donald Trump, and and, and I can't speak for the whole group, but myself, I support Donald Trump and and all of the values uh, that he stands for. And and everything he's done over the last four years, it makes me want to come out and support uh, the agenda of Donald Trump and and the American agenda that that we all want to live free in this this nation and live our our best life in a free society and not being controlled by by politicians. You know, they're supposed to represent us, and, and they should go back to representing us, and that's why we're out. Here. Nevada County's citizens take the First Amendment seriously and are not shy about expressing their political views. This year, we saw numerous gatherings both supporting and criticizing the president. We are 100% in support of making America great continually. Not again, but continuing. Young people organized a vigil to remember those who lost their lives at the hands of the police. We are not trying to replicate police in our movement. That said, they may ask for your help in maintaining crowd safety and holding a tranquil space for our vigil tonight. Please listen to their request. Security's goal is to keep as much space between us and any counter-protesters as possible. Please help them keep this space. But if you find yourself in the vicinity of a counter-protester, please do not engage with them. Move away and help others do the same. Do not fight with counter-protesters. 
Please remember that all of your actions affect the black, indigenous, and all people of color in our community, and their needs should be centered at all times, and especially here. While most Nevada County movements in 2020 were centered around politics, the environment, or social justice, one anonymous citizen spoke out against illegal lesbian nepotism. Strange signs began appearing around town demanding an investigation. Grass Valley resident and town council member Hillary Hodge started her own counter-movement after seeing the signs. She printed the strange message she was seeing on t-shirts and sold them to raise money for the local chapter of PFLAG, an organization that provides support and education for parents, families, and allies of people who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer. KVMR's Allie Lightfoot spoke with Hillary Hodge about the signs. There's something quite strange about maybe the wording and particularly the formatting. I think that was the thing that caught my eye. In this particular instance, for this particular message, it looked like an old school serial killer valentine. It wasn't lined up in the margins. The spray paint was a little like off. There were indentations in the sentences that were strange. But it said something like, investigate lesbian nepotism in Nevada County. Based on just the way that it was laid out, I'm surprised it wasn't signed your secret admirer. It was really just a a strange way to get a message across. And I think that a lot of people responded to the bizarreness of it, if that makes sense. It was also posted on a poll. And I believe that it was like seven or eight feet high on a trail, which means that someone carried a ladder out to the trail to nail it up, which I also find very interesting. Yes, illegal lesbian nepotism. It should definitely be investigated, I suppose. I'm not even sure what it means, but we should investigate it. Their conversation continued about the importance of freedom of speech in a healthy community. We're talking about all the movements and ways that people use their First Amendment rights. I wanted to ask you, Hillary, what you think the importance of free speech is and how this community exercises their right to speak out remarkably. I think there's a reason why it was the First Amendment. So the First Amendment covers religion, press, speech, and then the right to peaceably assemble and the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. And I think those five things are really the pillars of democracy. I think that they are incredibly important to maintaining our governance and our democracy moving forward. I will also say that I think with rights come responsibilities. And while free speech is protected, Part of that free speech might include hate speech. And if you target a marginalized part of your community, that may be protected speech, sure. But is that kind of discourse responsible if what you want is a civil and thriving community? I don't know. I don't know that that's the case. Because of COVID, so many people have been isolated. We used to talk to our neighbors in coffee shops and in line at the post office and We used to work together for mitigating fire danger and helping feed people in our community who are hungry. I think the echo chamber 
that reinforces confirmation bias, where you're hearing the same thing over and over from people who think like you. It isn't necessarily good for democracy and for building community and for helping each other understand where we're all coming from and for just helping each other. I am thankful that people are fired up about the issues they're passionate about. And I am thankful that people are willing to stand for something. I think that's really important. I also think it's really important that standing for something comes from a diversity of conversations, a myriad of opinions, moments of interaction with people who may not think like you or have a different perspective or a different background or something else to add. And I think in 2020, we have missed out on a lot of that. And I think that that hasn't improved our discourse. I don't think that speech should be from a singular place, but that it should be a conversation. And I hope that moving forward, we can get back to that and that we can get back to seeing the humanity in each other and seeing the humanity in our neighbors and really holding each other dear because whether it's COVID or wildfire, it's not going to ask you if you're a Republican or a Democrat. That was Grass Valley Council member Hillary Hodge. She spoke with Allie Lightfoot earlier this year. As 2020 draws to a close, I'm tempted to believe that things will quickly return to normal as soon as we hang the new calendar on our kitchen wall. If only it was so. Still, there's much to be grateful for. Vaccines for COVID-19 are finally here. And our democracy, though battered, is still intact. My name is Claudio Mendoza, and I'm honored to have been recently hired to serve as KVMR's news director. Thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting Community Radio. On behalf of everyone here at KVMR, we wish you all a bright and joyful new year. May 2021 be a year of rebuilding, of reconciliation, and of love. In spite of ourselves, we'll end up sitting on a rainbow. Against all odds, honey, we're the big door prize. Oh, we're going to spank. Our nose is right off of our faces. There won't be nothing but big old hearts dancing in our eyes. There won't be nothing but big old hearts dancing in our eyes. In spite of ourselves. You are listening to community-supported radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino Placerville, and this is the Wednesday edition of KVMR's Evening News. KVMR's news program airs Monday through Friday, 6 to 6.30 p.m. Coming up at 6.30 this evening, we have this week's edition of The Sages Among Us, and at 7 o'clock, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Closing out today's newscast, we have Jim Hightower with a commentary. Jesse Jackson ran a strong populist campaign for president in 1988, advocating bold new policies and programs to address inequality. This prompted establishment skeptics to scoff, where are you going to get the money? Jackson answered directly, get it from where it went. 
He meant from corporations and the rich, which had long been rigging the economic system and government policies to shift income and wealth from the workaday majority to themselves. Thirty years later, that shift has become an avalanche. Just three men, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, and Warren Buffett, now own more of the nation's wealth than the 165 million Americans who make up the bottom half of our population. This extreme and expanding separation of the few from the many is why progressive policymakers today are calling, as Jackson had, for big, forward-thinking populist solutions. But again, the smug forces of the status quo scoff, where you're going to get the money. The answer is the same one Jackson offered decades ago. But this time, two new factors are in play. One, from Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, we now have specific, easy-to-understand proposals to tax multimillionaires and billionaires to pay for the structural changes needed to open opportunities for the poor and middle class. And two, the public now enthusiastically supports such a tax. A recent poll found two-thirds of Americans, including a majority of Republicans, favoring Senator Warren's plan for a tax on those who have fortunes above $50 million. This is Jim Hightower saying, inequality will not fix itself. As the American majority has had to do periodically in our history, we the people must intervene to keep greed and wealth concentration from suffocating our society's essential democratic values of fairness, justice, and opportunity for all. A wealth tax is the place to start. Hightower's commentaries are brought to you by the Hightower Lowdown, the monthly newsletter with Hightower's take on what Wall Street and Washington are up to. For information, visit HightowerLowdown.org. That's our newscast for this evening. KVMR's evening news airs Monday through Friday, 6 to 6.30 p.m. If you've heard something on this news that you'd like to hear again, you can go to our website at kvmr.org where you can download audio or listen on demand. Coming up next, we have this week's edition of The Sages Among Us and at 7 o'clock, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Thanks for listening. I'm Paul Emery with KVMR Radio.